Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour three. Greetings, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here from the outer edges of a hurricane that is blowing through as the wind picks up outside. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Rain and wind where I am, not a lot of damage further south of me, though. The further south you go, the worse it gets. Prayers for the folks down in Florida and South Georgia, seeing the images come out of those now. Uh, Around the country, people focused on the politics of 2024 and what's happening. And from the campaign trail, uh, you will find Governor Chris Christie. Welcome. How are you? I'm great, Eric. Thanks for having me. So where are you today? Today, I am actually in New Jersey uh, doing some fundraising today in my home state. Um, And uh, we'll be uh, spending the day trying to make sure that we raise the money we need to win the race. So what are the metrics for the next debate? I I assume you qualified for the next debate. I I saw, I think, um, uh, Doug Burgum says he's going to make it. But I I couldn't figure out what the metrics were for the second debate. The metrics, I think, in general are 50,000 donors, individuals, unique donors, uh, 3% in either national polls or a combination of national and early state polls. Um, and those are the two major criteria. Yes, we have qualified. We're fine. And and, um, and I saw that Doug said he has qualified for that. I, the, the RNC is not verified yet, I think, for anybody, um, whether they have made it or, uh, or not. But I did see Doug make that announcement. So having gone through 2016 and, and now you're, you're here, I, I heard you the other day on, on CNN about the last debate. I mean, how do you, you think of the, the setup of these things? Look, I think it's two things are important for them to be informative um, for the for the voters. One is first and foremost for the candidates to to, to follow the rules. Um, and I think we had a number of instances on last Wednesday night where people were just blowing through the, the stop signs and the red lights. Ultimately, you know the the, the, the barriers, um, and that just doesn't it makes it hectic. I know for people who are watching on TV, they said it made it hard for them to hear and follow uh, from time to time. And I think, secondly, the moderators have to enforce the rules. And I think there were, there were any number of times um, a, a week ago when that, when that did not happen. So I think those two factors um, made it a little more of a hectic um, debate and perhaps a little bit less informative than it otherwise could have been. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one and, and hoping that, you know, we're a little bit more inside the guardrails on all that. So the next one will be the, the Reagan Library. It's, it's Dana Perino, Stuart Varney, and Ilya Calderon from Univision uh, co-hosting. That's a beautiful setup. I, I, I got to ask you, it, it, it just, he's talking about the debates just, just raises the question. 
you had a lot of people on that stage who seemed to to have some common way of getting along and and one particular guy on the stage that everybody wanted to wring his neck uh, i'm surprised nikki haley didn't reach over and try to wring the fake's neck uh, but yourself and, and mike pence i tell everyone that you should always be a little leery of someone you've never heard of who comes out of nowhere and tells you everything you want to hear. And and that seems like what he's doing and what you want to hear is diametrically opposed to stuff he was saying just three months ago. Well, look, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest problem for me, Eric. I mean, I think we're used to people coming into politics and saying what they think will sell. And I think ultimately those people get found out. What's unusual here is when he says what he thinks will sell, and then he gets pushback because what he says is so ridiculous. Then he, then he denies he ever said it or ever wrote it and says he's taken the 180-degree opposite position. So, you know, I used the word for him on Wednesday night that I selected, um, you know, very, very carefully, and that was amateur. And that's what it looked like to me on Wednesday night was that it was amateur hour. And I said, you know, we don't need another amateur like Barack Obama um, because he had used, plagiarized, lifted a phrase directly from Obama in describing himself on the national stage. And, you know, that kind of stuff is just amateurish. And so, you know, I'm going to talk about the things that I think are important. And I think you are right, though. If you, if you had been on the stage, Eric, during the commercial breaks, I suspect you would have found that that was kind of a uh, pretty universally held position uh, <laughs> that people were not quite happy. Yeah, I, 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 I gathered that from, from some of the messages I, I heard from other candidates as well. Now, let's talk about your race in particular, because I'm, I'm looking at the real career politics average for better or worse. It is what it is, but uh, you're around two and a half, three percent. You've definitely seen a bump. Uh, particularly in the last week after the debate. But, I mean, you've got Donald Trump still 53% in the polling. I mean, what do you do to capture the lightning in the bottle necessary to, to consolidate a field behind you to, to, to have a chance when you've got DeSantis in double digits and everyone kind of clustered together? Well, Eric, I think, first off, what, what drives me the most crazy as a, a practitioner in this business is that people pay attention to these national polls. Right. We do not have a national primary. We have a state-by-state -state primary. So, for instance, if you look at New Hampshire and the latest poll, the newest poll from New Hampshire was a week ago from Emerson, and I was at 14% in that poll. And in second place, um, and, and clear by margin of error of both Ron DeSantis in fourth and Vivek in third. Um, and Trump in that poll was at 34 we are not going to have a national primary. Um, and taking these national polls is like when Hillary Clinton was leading in every national poll in 2016, up through and including uh, exit polling. And then Donald Trump wins because we have an electoral college system and a state-by-state -state system, um, and that's the way we elect presidents. And by the way, that's the way we nominate presidents. So in, in, I'm not at 2.9% in New Hampshire. In fact, I'm at 14% in New Hampshire and climbing. And that's happened coming from zero three months ago when I got into the race. So I think what people have to look at is how is the election really going to happen? I always tease that when, when people talk about these polls, you know, the way they ask the poll is, 
if the election were held today. Right. But one thing I can guarantee you is it's not going to be, and it's not going to be held nationally in one day like the general election. It will be held state by state. And when those results come in from Iowa, the race will markedly change. And then when the results come in from New Hampshire, the race will markedly change again. The field will narrow. And what you perceive to be absolutely true before the votes are counted will be different after. Okay, so in that regard, we we start in Iowa, then New Hampshire, South Carolina. Is it a fair characterization to say you're more focused on New Hampshire than Iowa? Yes, it is. Um, I'm very focused on New Hampshire and South Carolina amongst the first four. And uh, that's where my focus is going to be um, and where I'm going to spend the majority of my time. Now, there was a, an interesting phenomenon when you were at the gathering uh, the other weekend. I, I I found it very notable because I, I tend to know when I say Chris Christie, people perceive you as being uh, more liberal than, than I know you to be. And, and they're like, why are you inviting this guy? And when you were off stage, the number of people who came up in the first break afterwards and were absolutely stunned uh, to have heard you and not to have found a word of disagreement. And I thought it was notable you were asked the stupid, God bless from Martin McCallum, the UFO question, and you, you you pivoted to exactly how you started our conversation, education. And it, that issue seems to me to be resonating with a lot of people, and you seem to know that it's resonating with people, given your pivot on the UFO question. I just, I, I was I was really, I, I thought it was very funny how people after the gathering were like, I can't believe I agreed with Chris Christie. Well, you know, I mean, look, some of it, you know, is regional, right, Eric? They think, oh, a Republican from New Jersey, he can't possibly be conservative. Um, secondly, you know, some of it's characterization from the media, um, and they rely upon the very same thing. Well, he got elected in the blue state, um, so how could he really be a conservative? Well, as, as we talked about that day on the stage, you know, um, I vetoed planned parenthood funding 14 times in New Jersey and had that veto sustained every time. Planned Parenthood wasn't funded a dime in New Jersey from the state government when I was the governor. Um, that's something probably people wouldn't even have known or believed. And so part of it is my job to make sure I remember to talk about those things and remind people. And part of it's just kind of regional stereotypes because the fact is, I think the kind of nominee we're going to want is someone who can win in a blue state. Um, if, if we have a nominee who can't win in a blue state, we're not going to win the general election. And I look at this and say, on that stage last Wednesday night, I was the only candidate um, who has defeated, and in fact, even if you include Donald Trump, I'm the only candidate who's defeated a Democratic incumbent. It's hard to do. It's only happened three times in, uh, for Democratic governors in the last 30 years. And so I know how to do this, Eric. And I hope that when people listen to me, they realize that I am a conservative in the Reagan tradition. Um, and that it was Ronald Reagan who was the last person to defeat a Democratic incumbent president when he defeated Jimmy Carter, a conservative governor from a blue state. Now, I need to ask you, I, I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm not the combative Tim Russert guy, and, and people try to ask me to, to, to be the combative, ask the difficult questions and the gotcha questions, stuff, and it's just not my style. But I, I do, I've got to ask you probably the most combative, difficult question that, that I would ask any presidential candidate. 
and, and I can only really direct it at you, and and that is why are the Mets sucking so bad? Given as much money as <laughs> as Cohen has poured into them, yeah, you know, because it's still a human sport, Eric, and and humans performs below the back of their baseball card, and um, and that happens sometimes. And as a Mets fan, um, I am despondent. And as a member of the Mets board of directors, uh, I am resolved that we that we figure it out, we fix it, and um, we we get better next year. But talking to an Atlanta Braves fan is very <laughs> difficult for me too, Eric. Um, you know, I love your program, but I know you're a Braves fan, so you could see the kind of person I'm going to be. I will speak to anyone if, as a Mets fan, given the beatings. You guys have given us over the last 20 years. I'm willing to come on your program. Well, look, I, I got to tell you, I, I grew up and still at heart am a Cubs fan, and I know the years in the wilderness, so, so I, I'm, yes. I'm sympathetic. But, yeah, I just, <laughs> you know, there's there's a metaphor there even for government, I guess, the, the, the amount of money you pour into things and you don't get the results that you want. Um, doesn't, now, necessarily, doesn't necessarily correlate with winning, as we're seeing in Flushing, Queens, New York right now. <laughs> It does. All right. On that painful note, I, I got to go to a commercial, but it's always great to talk to you and, and best of luck to you out on the campaign trail and good luck at the next debate. Eric, thanks for having me. And by the way, I thank all the people that you had at the gathering. It was a great uh, opportunity to talk to them and they were a really receptive, um, attentive audience and I had a good time. Great. Thank you so much. Governor Chris Christie. Uh, again, you know, he, 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 you should hear him on education. We, we may need to get some clips from that. Uh, I understand the perception of the governor. I, I have a good relationship with him. Uh, we don't agree on everything. Um, it, and, and I don't think I should or you should ever agree with everybody on everything other than Jesus. And I, I, I just, but I like the guy. But my gosh, he is just an unrepentant Mets fan. And it just, it, I, I love the opportunity to rub that in his nose. <laughs> All right, 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation, and you may really need HR. Well, you may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want U.S.-based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They can cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you. It'll help your company grow. It'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam. B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson. I got to play you some audio, and what you're going to hear, I'm afraid, is some dead air. This happened just a short time ago in Kentucky. Uh, Mitch McConnell in a press gaggle, he froze again and needed to be rebooted. 
What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. That's right. Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? Yes. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. Senator. Penny. holding the podium he can't move he's frozen okay uh it's sad to see um regardless of whether you like him or not that's sad to see um he fell and got a concussion months ago and it, it, this is the second time now he's frozen up the the other time came after a subsequent fall uh, his campaign now says that uh, they will consult with a doctor um, to make sure there's nothing else going on it, it, part of this if we're just honest about it is he's he's over 80 years old and suffered a concussion it takes a long time to get over a concussion I two years ago, got my very first concussion, and it was not bad compared to some. Uh, but bright lights and sounds, it, it messed with me for a while. And I did radio and have no memory of being on the radio. I assured everyone I was fine, apparently, and I did. It sounded good. Y'all never even knew it. I have no memory of having done several days worth of radio, and I did it, and it was good radio, too. But I don't remember. I have literally no recollection of it at all. Maybe I should not be admitting that on air at the moment, but I did not. But he's over 80 takes a long time for an 80-year-old to recover uh, from a traumatic brain injury, which is what he did when he tripped and fell and his head impacted a marble floor. Um, it's sad to see uh, a guy like that. Uh, you know, I've, I've never been a big fan of his, but uh, you can't help but realize that the Republicans are able to, to have captured the Supreme Court with their appointees because of him. Uh, and his uh, maneuvering through the U.S. Senate. And uh, while he's controversial among conservatives like me, overall his his quest to snatch the Supreme Court from the left worked. Um, I, I It was a question about him running again. I, I don't see how he can run again given this condition. But uh, prayers for McConnell and his wife as well, who is really steering him. This is the second time that he has glitched uh, and needed to be rebooted. Um Sad. Um, feel bad for the person who had to unplug him and, and blow out the cartridge. Um, now, we need to move on. Vision Computer is where you need to go if you need a uh, computer. If you need a laptop or a desktop, if you need tech support, Vision Computer is where you need to go. Vision Computer can build you a laptop or a desktop. They're going to save you money in the process because they're going to give you what you want and need as opposed to just the generic big box store, one-size-fits-all computer with a marked-up premium. Vision's not going to do that to you. They can do this for your entire company. They can do it for your house, for your kids, for you. And then they give you world-class tech support. Now, if you want Vision's tech support, but you don't have a computer from them, they'll help you. For a small annual fee, they'll be your tech support as well. So you get the phone number where you call it, and they actually will answer the phone. You don't go through the phone waiting hell of press one plus three, no habla espanol. You actually get someone. 
and they can fix your computer. They can diagnose over the phone. They can guide you through what to do. They can remote in in many cases. They can do email setup. They can do printer support. You name it. That's what they're known for. Call them at 404-COMPUTE. 404-COMPUTE. Any of you nationwide, take advantage of this. 404-COMPUTE. Let Vision Computer be your computer IT support. 404-COMPUTE. Greetings and welcome. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, let me go to Reggie. You're going to be up next. Welcome. Hello, Eric. Uh, you know, maybe it's been brought up before in the past, but, uh, and I did vote for Trump. And uh, I told my wife the last time, though, I, I called her Trump zombie. I said, he's not going to win. And of course, she finally, con- I, I finally convinced her, but to get to the point, uh, all of these Trump zombies, as I call them, why do they think he's going to be the second coming once again, that he created such chaos within his cabinet and so many people left? And I don't know how many people were fired and how many people left just because of frustration. Who, who in their right mind that's competent and capable is going to want to serve with this egomaniac? Okay, uh, you know, in, in all honesty, um, I think a lot of people, uh, and I, I, I really do mean that, um, one, there are always people who want power, um, and, and those are the dangerous people, but uh, I think there'd be a lot of those. But I do think that you have a lot of people who, like last time, would decide, you know, I want to go in and do what I can to minimize bad things from happening. Uh, you will have uh, the Heritage Foundation is uh, building a list of like 20,000 resumes of people who could immediately day one be embedded in, in the administration to help from the right. I think you would have good people who would step up and say, you know what, I, I'm willing to deal with uh, what could be a headache because I love my country and I want to make sure that uh, President Trump is surrounded and given the best possible advice. Uh, and you saw that last time. Rick Perry stayed all four years and gave great advice. Um, when Petraeus was out, uh, the, the the replacement for the Department of Defense held on very long. You saw Bill uh, Barr, whether you like him or not, he was a great attorney general, second time being attorney general. He was George H.W. Bush's attorney general as well. Uh, and, and stayed on to give great advice. Uh, Mike Pompeo had been, what, the intelligence director of CIA and, and became the secretary of state, was a great secretary of state. I think you will see that. You will also see the ambitious. You will see the people who want power. You will see the people who who they're trying to ladder climb. Those are the dangerous people. And, you know, you saw some of those. Look, you saw Miles, what's his name, who was the anonymous guy. You saw that guy, um, and he uh, climbed power until he could climb no further and then betrayed the administration, wrote the the piece about how he was trying to work from the inside to stop Trump. There are going to be those people as well. There will be those people. That exists in every administration. I, I think Trump, were he to get reelected, it would be um, uniquely – how do I want to put this? Um, it would be uniquely chaotic. You would have the people who want to execute his vision. You would have the people who say they want to execute his vision and do not. You would have the people who want to mitigate um, things that he may do. 
and you'll have people who want to stymie things that he may do, and they'll all be working together. It will not be an administration that can get much done, uh, because one thing about Donald Trump is, is he does, and everybody knows it, including his fans, loves the people who love him back. And many times the people who love him back don't really love him. They just pretend they do, and he falls for it, and it's a means to an end. I just think it would be deeply chaotic, and so much of what he does would be through executive order that were he to lose, uh, well, I mean, he'd be term limited. He'd only have four years. So after four years, if a Democrat wins, everything he does immediately gets undone. He won't have the power to get anything done legislatively. Uh, a Republican who can who gets a majority in the House and the Senate will be able to get much done. I don't think that Donald Trump will be able to um, just given the dynamics and the personal disdain. Now, I think that most of his supporters don't care. They're willing to take him and his executive orders for four years uh, as their last best hope to save the country. And then they think that um, perhaps he can uh, either, one, there will be some who decide that he should never leave power again. They'll be in the vast minority. Uh, The others will try to advance uh, a Trump-like candidate to replace him who they think can get something done. And the one thing I, I can say already is uh, I'm already seeing the people say that the, the deck is stacked against him and, and the election's going to be stolen. And people are kind of re- are writing the obituary in advance. Because, I, I mean, when, when you see what's happening, Donald Trump is at 53% of the polls. But there has been, since the debate, a, a slight dip, and you can see it. You can start to see DeSantis coming back up. I suspect his handling of the hurricane, even with the media out to get him, is going to help him. Uh, he'll be able to, to bump back up. There will still be a big gap. But as Chris Christie was just saying on the program, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, that's the order. You win Iowa, you get a bounce. You go to New Hampshire, you win, you get a bounce. You go to South Carolina, you start collecting the delegates, you win. And and Donald Trump, I think, it's the first time I'm aware of of his counter-programming not working. He went on Tucker Carlson's show, supposedly had a, a bajillion viewers, and nobody knows what he said. No one was talking about it. It, it left no lasting impression. But I, I gotta I gotta say something else here. I, I might as well talk about it here at the end of the show. I'm I'm I try not to because in large part I know from from the audience that even Donald Trump's core supporters are kind of tired of talking about Donald Trump. But I w- I want to say something to his credit. I was a lawyer in Georgia. I did two cases. You know, I thought I did one, and and, um, the partner I used to work with reached out and said, no, 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 there were two, and reminded me of the other case. I did two RICO cases when I was a young lawyer in Georgia. They were civil RICO. They were not criminal RICO. But I did two RICO cases. I am familiar enough with Georgia's RICO law and how it works to be able to comment on it knowledgeably. I was a lawyer. I did criminal law. I know constitutional law, Uh, constitutional law to this day. Well, it was my highest grade in law school. I blew the con law class out of the water. Those of you who know anything about law school, everything's graded on a curb. I made such a high grade in that class, it messed up everybody else. I can talk about constitutional law. I know it. I practiced it. Criminal law in Georgia, I know it. I practiced it. I am really disturbed as someone who is in but not of the media. 
I go on TV. I talk about stuff on TV. I have a talk radio program. I spend three hours unscripted with you every day. I am really disturbed by the commentary about Donald Trump's cases, particularly from the mainstream media. The number of people, including a former federal judge, who is floating the 14th Amendment as a way to stop Donald Trump, so much of the commentary from the mainstream media is so antagonistic to Donald Trump, it's devoid of reality in quest of a silver bullet to stop him. When he was president, the number of people in the media who constantly brought up the 25th Amendment option to stop Donald Trump, it never happened. It didn't happen after January 6th. The very same voices in the media who screamed loudly about the 25th Amendment are now screaming very loudly about the 14th Amendment, that we can use the 14th Amendment. We can use the clause about insurrection against the United States to stop Donald Trump. No, the hell you can't, you idiots. Even you, looting federal judge, no, you can't. The history of that amendment, its design, its purpose, the intent, and the fallout from it, if you tried it, would be so astronomically cataclysmic to the republic, you can't do it. You hate Donald Trump so much, you can't be rational when it comes to commentary of Donald Trump. I don't care for the man, but I do not hate the man. He's not my preference for president. But I don't hate the man. I'm not so poisoned in politics that I can't look at this stuff rationally. The commentary from the major media outlets about it. So, for example, you listen to the major media commentary about Mark Meadows and his trial. Oh, my gosh, Mark Meadows probably made it worse for Donald Trump and what he said. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. The number of people out there is like, oh, I think Mark Meadows blew up his case. There's no way a federal judge will remove it. If the federal judge who's hearing Mark Meadows' motion to move the case to federal court doesn't do it, it's because he was an Obama appointee. It has nothing to do with Mark Meadows' underlying uh, arguments. There is some level of discretion for the judge, but the fact of the matter is Mark Meadows in his testimony and the arguments made in court did actually give a credible case that Mark Meadows' case should be moved to federal court because so much of what he did was under the color of his office as chief of staff. I don't know if you know this, but the chief of staff for the president of the United States doesn't just take care of the day-to-day official business. He takes care of the president. And if he needs to make phone calls to get people on the phone with the president, that's part of his job. That's the God's honest truth. And so much of the media in their coverage of Mark Meadows and, and how he performed his job, they're like, oh, he undermined his case. He suggested he was doing stuff outside the scope of chief of staff. You have never been chief of staff of the president of the United States. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't know either because I haven't been chief of staff, but do I know people who were chief of staff? You're damn right I do. And they say, yes, as a matter of fact, so much of what you do as chief of staff is managing the president's schedule, personal and private, his interactions with other people, serving as gatekeeper. Mark Meadows does have a plausible argument. And by the way, it was a Democratic chief of staff to a former president who told me that. The media commentary is completely devoid of reality when it comes to Donald Trump. The reality is that Fawny Willis is the dog that caught the car. The Fawny Willis case, I have said, is the second most dangerous case to Donald Trump after the documents case in Florida. 
What I find notable in the documents case in Florida is the media is already out there saying, oh, well, it's a Trump appointee. She's going to scuttle the case. Notice the commentary. They don't want to talk about the, the federal judge in Georgia who might or might not take Mark Meadows' case is an Obama appointee, and that might have something to do with whether he doesn't take the case. But in Florida, it's, oh, well, she was a Trump appointee. She's going to undermine the case out of the gate and sabotage it. There's nowhere you can go for honest commentary on these cases other than, I guess, this program. And I don't mean that self-servingly at all. I just, I'm listening on, on the conservative networks and I'm listening on the mainstream networks that are liberal networks that refuse to acknowledge it. Nobody wants to give you fair and honest treatment of what's going on in these cases. The Fawny Willis case is a dangerous case for Donald Trump because the Georgia RICO case and, and statute is so very, very broad in the crimes that it encapsulates. And if you can make the case that there was an enterprise, some idiot who's charged with a crime involved in this case that Donald Trump knew nothing about, that person's actions can be attributed to Donald Trump. That's why it's so dangerous. Donald Trump had no control over the people who harassed uh, Ruby Freeman, the poll worker, but it could be attributed to him in the case. But the problem for the case is that it's so big, it's so broad, it's so unwieldy, there are so many people. Fawny Willis is the dog that caught the car. She got exactly what she wanted, and she's going to get run over by her own case because it's so big and unwieldy. It's very hard to break that case apart into its components before a jury. When you have 19 defendants who have 19 lawyers and she wants it all done at once, it's going to be difficult for her. The federal case with the documents in Florida is the best case against Donald Trump. And that case is still a tough case to prove because Donald Trump does have reasonable arguments about the Presidential Records Act. Now, those reasonable arguments, most experts say, fall flat because you have his chief of staff, Mark Meadows, saying there are procedures he didn't follow. And even the president has procedures he must follow. That's why it's a bad case. But you do have a judge who's more willing to look on him as innocent until proven guilty. So much of the commentary directed towards Donald Trump and his defendants in these cases is based on the presumption that they're guilty until proven innocent. And that has corrupted so many of the arguments. It has corrupted so much of the commentary. It's corrupted so much of the coverage. The man is innocent until proven guilty and is given the benefit of the doubt by so much of the criminal process. And if the media can't convey that accurately to people, they may be really surprised with some of the results. I, again, on the record, as I've just said, the RICO case in Georgia is the second worst case for Donald Trump. But being the second worst case for Donald Trump still doesn't mean it's a terrible case for Trump because the prosecutor bit off more than I think she can chew and is probably going to choke on her own case. That's the reality. But you don't hear that from the mainstream media because the media is convinced they finally got Donald Trump. They hadn't got him until they have him. And right now they don't. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, 877-973-7425. Uh, if you would like to, wait, is this, what, 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 um, oh, someone, I'm not sure. Where, oh. <laughs> okay. I need to address something here. Um, there are a lot of people who call the program who want criminal charges against Fawny Willis. And you say, okay, um, you want criminal charges against Fawny, what, what, what charges do you want? I, well, we don't care, charge her with something. That, that's what she did, Donald Trump. Let, let's pull everything out of this. Let, let's say, okay, let's do to them what you think they're doing to us. There's no basis for charges, but we want to charge anyway. 
okay, so who do you get to charge? Who, who do you get to file charges? Um, do you get the, the, the attorney general of the state? Well, you know, there's a problem there. Donald Trump hates that guy and found someone to run against him. And one of the other co-defendants, David Schaefer, was the chairman of the GOP. And the state leaders are convinced that David Schaefer was complicit in the act. So why would that guy step forward? Why, why would Brian Kemp step forward? Um, that's, that's part of the issue you're dealing with here. I think probably one of the most annoying things in all the conversations about Donald Trump and the Georgia case, among others, is how Trump and his supporters want state leaders to go to bat for him when Donald Trump spent two years trying to destroy them. Talk about playing your hand badly. You go to war against Brian Kemp and Chris Carr, the attorney general in the state, and Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state in Georgia. You find people to run against them. You fundraise for those people, and they all lose. And now you and your supporters want Brad Raffensperger, Chris Carr, and Brian Kemp to save your butt from Fawny Willis, the Fulton County prosecutor? Uh, no. Uh, you made the bed. You lie in it. Well, it's not fair. No, life is not fair. Life has never been fair. And Donald Trump played his hand badly against these people, and the chickens are coming home to roost. You people who think that Donald Trump can be punitive to whoever he wants to be, and those people must be loyal in return, I hate to disabuse you of this, but they owe him nothing and will give him nothing, and you can scream all day that it's not fair and they should do something Cry harder. It's not going to make a bit of difference. I'm sorry if that makes you mad and offends you, but he's the guy who tried to take them out and he couldn't. And all along, it's been increasingly apparent that the district attorney was investigating. And if the man was too stupid to realize he should not be burning bridges with people who might otherwise save him from a district attorney who was already looking at him at the time he was pouring the gasoline and had not yet struck the match, well, that's on him and on you guys. I'm sorry it upsets you. This desire for Brian Kemp to bail a man out who actively tried to defeat him. This desire for Chris Carr, the attorney general, to bail the man out who actively tried to defeat him. And you could say, well, they may want to run for higher office in the future and we'll be there to fight him. You were there to fight him two years ago and you lost. They won. You lost. You played your hand badly, and now you expect something from them you would never give to them in return. This is called politics and the art of not burning bridges. You burned the bridge. There's nowhere left to cross the river. And so now you're going to have to deal with Fawny Willis and not expect them to save you from Fawny Willis. I don't understand why that's so hard for people in the president's camp to get. They burned the bridges, not these other people. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.